0: If you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 2. We're starting a uh, three-sermon series for Christmas called A Celebration of Grace. You know, somebody uh, actually last night, John and I were up here and we were putting the uh, communion and stuff together. And John said, why aren't we doing this next week? Next week's Christmas, or at least closer to Christmas. But I really wanted to kick off this sermon series with participating in the Lord's Supper with you. Because it gives us a reminder of what the babe in the manger was all about. The celebration of grace was more than just about Jesus coming in the form of a babe. And us celebrating his birthday. But Christmas is more a celebration of grace about what Jesus did on the cross for us. You see, it's not much good to have a present that's never opened, is it? And Jesus was that present on Christmas. And on Easter, we were able to open that present. And we saw the fullness of God's grace. You know, a lot of times we, we get to this point, you know, what's the big deal about Christmas? Why is it, why is it so important? You know, this last week I was, I was kind of disturbed by one of the statements I heard um, from some of the, one of the newscasters. The statement was sort of like this. You know, Christmas would be really good if it wasn't so mucked up by all of the religious stuff. Does that make any sense whatsoever? Because without all the religious stuff, there'd be no Christmas. There'd be no need for Christmas. So it doesn't make much sense that Christmas is getting all mucked up by the Christianity and all that. You know. When you talk to people, you know, what do you celebrate at Christmas? I was I was reading a, a book called The Purpose of Christmas and this question was asked and one of the, one some of the responses kind of blew me away but the one that really you know I this is what this one guy said I am celebrating that I made it through another year. That's all he's celebrating at Christmas time. Another one is I am celebrating that I've got all my presents bought. But we're missing the we're missing the purpose, are we not? I think it's amazing that now we have people who have gotten so off track with what Christmas is about. They will sue their neighbors because their neighbors put a sign up that says Jesus is the reason for the season. That happened this year. We've lost focus. We've lost sight that Christmas is about the grace of God. Now, as we go to Luke chapter 2, you know, this is a passage, it should be very familiar to you because our DS read it to you last week. Jonathan, as he was here, as he started his sermon last week, I was going, oh, boy, he's, he's, going, he's going right over everything I'm going to be saying in the next three weeks. But he didn't. Now, there, it's, it's interesting how God's word is, it's new and afresh every single day and, and you get something totally different out of it. And even though this is a very familiar passage to all of us, it's something that we can get things out of. Beginning in verse 8, here's the this, this story of these shepherds in the field. And I want to read this to you. And we're going to go back. We're going to focus on one specific verse this morning. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in a town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with an angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens. And on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now as we, as we look at this passage and as we look at this, I want to focus specifically this morning on this one verse. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Verse 10 is where we're going to spend all of our time this morning. We're going to be in other verses in Scripture, but I I want to focus on this because so many times we forget Christmas is about good news. So many times Christmas isn't about a celebration. But Christmas is a huge deal. I, I want you to think about this with Christmas. Every other holiday has a day. Christmas has a season. There's an entire month from the Friday after Thanksgiving Day until Christmas Day that everybody is preparing for the celebration. There are careers who revolve only around this one holiday every year. There are shops, there are businesses. All they do is Christmas. It is a special day. You see it's because of this celebration because of this day everything in history changes. I want you to think about it even your birthday relates back to Christmas day. Because you you were born in whatever year AD not BC or before everything that we do revolves around this in history and that night that the shepherds were out there in the fields it was a night like every other night thousands of nights before it there was nothing different about it but then all of a sudden with the appearing of the angel everything changed not just for them but for billions and billions of people since then everything changed and it changed because of the grace of God it changed because of the love of God In this passage, it says it's a message of good news that will cause great joy. You know, Christmas should be about the celebration of good news. But in reality, what it happens to be for a lot of people, it becomes a, ha- a, a hassle instead of a season of happiness. You go to the store and you, you, you fight the crowds. You fight the people on the road and it becomes a hassle to participate in this rather than a happy occasion. It's filled with pressure to buy the right things. Pressure to see all the people in your life that you need to see. Pressure to make sure you have enough money. To provide the gifts for your kids or your family. But God designed for it to be a time of pleasure and excitement. Sometimes I think if we, if we quit commercializing. We quit buying all these things and we quit doing this. Christmas could be a lot more pleasurable because some of the greatest pleasures that I find around Christmas and I think most families find around Christmas has nothing to do with the toys or the presents or the gifts or anything under the tree, but the time that you spend with those you love. Remembering the greatest love of all that God has for us. Now when Carol and I were We're planning out, thinking about Christmas this year. The greatest thing happened to us. Christmas for us was a trip to Alabama and Tennessee. And we decided that's Christmas this year. And all the kids said, yeah, we want to do that. We want to go spend time with family. The greatest part of it was not the presence, but the family connections. And being with those that we loved and remembering why we love one another so much. Because of Christ's love for us. And while we were in Tennessee. I really got a, a real full grasp I believe. Of the heart of God. Many of you know and I, and I told you last week. I was going to share this with you in my sermons. Many of you know that. Our oldest son and, and us we've been estranged for the last year. He cut off contact with us and. He's far away from God and. And it felt like I mean our heart was breaking over him. And it wasn't just our heart, but our kids, our our other boys' heart, every night listening to Kyle and Alex praying for Anthony to come back to God and to to come back as part of our family. And, you know, our heart was truly breaking over him. When we went to Tennessee, you know, we had a plan. And it's funny how we have a plan and God has a plan. Our plan was no matter what, we were going to sit outside of his place of business on Monday night, when he got off, he was going to talk to us. And we were going to, if we had to force him into the van and take him to eat, he was going to spend time with us. But all of you were praying. And we had been praying. And my, my mom and dad and our families had been praying. We get to Tennessee on Sunday. And we find out through Carol's sister, she had sent a message to Anthony over a year ago on Facebook that, we were going to become, that they were going to be going to Pigeon Forge and asked, you know, can we get together? And he didn't, for some reason, see it until this November and responded this November with this. I would love to see you and I'd really love to reconnect with mom and dad. I just don't know how to go about it. A year of prayers. The prayers of a faithful church. The prayers of faithful families. And God working. We were able to connect with him at his choosing. And then he came over and spent a couple of nights with us while we were there. And on Wednesday night before we left, I got to hold my 24-year-old in my arms. And I told Carol, I said, I think that was more special than the first time I ever held him. Because... He was back and this is what I understood as I held him was how much God loves us because the Bible says that God loves us more than we love our own children and I couldn't imagine how much love that has to be because when I hold each one of my boys and my boys are still young enough for me to hold them And give them a kiss on the forehead and it it may embarrass them because they're in their 20s and teens now. I could care less. I love them. But the thing is, if I love my boys that much and I love being with my boys that much, how much more does God love us? And we talk about this good news. And this good news is about the love of God primarily. The love that God has for us, you know, we celebrate grace. On Sunday when we got to Tennessee, we went to our, our old church. The church that we had pastored before moving here to Tennessee. And while we were there, the pastor, I, they were doing communion that Sunday morning. And the pastor, had uh, Barry, had spoken on the prodigal son. And I thought, wow, what an what a appropriate timing to hear that along with what we're here in Tennessee for. And I thought about the father as he welcomed his son back in. And he longed for his son. How much more does God long for us? And that's why he offered us this grace. And that's why he gives this to us. When we talk about this good news and it brings great joy, what we're talking about is a message that, first of all, is personal. It is, it is personal because the angel said to, to them, I, they brought a personal message. It's not just a personal message, but it's this positive message from God. So many times we get this idea that God is against us. God's not against us. God loves us. Sometimes we get this idea that God's this, this cosmic being in space playing with our lives. That's not how God is. God is full of love. The Bible says God is love, and so this, this idea of this good news and great joy it is it is a positive message, and it's not a message that we hold only to ourselves, but it's this universal message because it says it's for all the people. It is a universal message, but the message is God loves you. I mean, it's reinforced all throughout Scripture. You go to these verses, like in John three sixteen, for God to love the world. That he gave his only one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved. You know, we take this verse and it's one that we commonly quote. We throw it out there and I think we miss the meaning of it. Christmas is all about this verse. God loved the world. That's why Christ came. It's not God up there trying to mess with our lives and make our lives miserable Or we're some kind of toy that he's playing with. we We are the item of his affection. And you have to understand that. God looks at you and you're the apple of his eye. You are his children that he loves dearly. You're what he's affectionate about. God so loved the world so much that he would become one of us. You know, I think we, we so often, you know, we, we think about this, but we don't understand it completely. The message of love that God gave on Christmas was a message to us. If God wanted to say something to the birds, he would have become a bird. Or to the cattle, he would become a cattle or, or a cow. If, if he wanted to say something to man, well, how was he going to do it? John chapter 1 verse 14 says... And the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. The word became flesh. It dwelt among us. It took on a human form. God became one of us to have a face-to-face conversation with us. Look at the end of this. The word became flesh and made us dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father. Full of grace and full of truth we were able to see the full glory of God because of Christmas. We were able to see and understand the glory of God because He did not send just a representative to see us. He came Himself. He came in the form of man, physical form, because He knew to communicate with us, it would take a face-to-face meeting. And he communicated his love. So all through scripture we see this idea of love. And you think about how much God loves us. Just look at creation. Look at creation. Look at a sunset in the morning. How much does God love you that he has given you the ability to see beauty? You know. Number one, God loves variety, doesn't he? Because when he made you, he truly broke the mold. There's no two of you exactly alike. Even twins, there are differences. There are no two of you exactly alike. He made you, he broke the mold. So right now, with over 6 billion people on the face of this earth, there are six billion different varieties of people. How many different flowers do we have? How many different trees do we have? The clouds. Each and every day is a totally different day. Wouldn't every day be boring if it was exactly the same as the day before? You wake up in Montana, you never know what you're going to get, do you? And God designed it that way. God loves variety, but He loves us that we could enjoy the variety, that we could see the beauty in the mountains. We could see the beauty in the buttes, in the badlands here. He gave you taste buds so that when you walk out and you buy something, which you're going to do today as you leave, you're going to enjoy the taste of it because God loved you enough to give you taste buds that you could... What if everything tasted like nothing? See, if God created you just like a robot, you had no choice, you had no... There was no love. Would it matter what anything tasted like? But God loved you enough that it would. God loved you enough that the different textures that He created, you could feel with your hands. The different smells, whether it's the smell of fresh brewed coffee in the morning, whether it's the smell... When you're sitting out by a mountain stream. Whether it's the smell like my dad used to. My dad I don't understand at times. But we'd walk out of the house. The feedlot was north of the house. and We had a north wind blowing in. My dad enjoyed that smell. Variety. You see God gave you all these different. Abilities because he loved you to enjoy his creation. I mean, you look around, you see how much God loves you. You see the capacity that he's given you to love in return. You see, as you look at those people that are in your life that are important to you, and understand even more in depth how much God loves you. He expresses his love. And sometimes it's it's hard for us to understand that God loves us as individuals. But God created you, therefore He loves you. And you have to know that. I, I want to take you to this verse in James chapter 1, verse 18 says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be kind of the first fruits as He created. Think about this a minute. God chose for you to be born. There are no accidental babies. There are accidental parents. But no accidental babies. God chose each and every one of you to give you breath, to give you life, to give you a heartbeat. And we don't know how long we're here, but but God chose us. And God loves us. And that's what Christmas says. This good news is all about this love that God has for us. He chose to love us and he chose to give us life and he chose to give us breath. And I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 3. And I know we're skipping all over the place. But there's, you have to understand as you hear these words of love. Ephesians chapter 3. Here's what Paul has to say. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Now listen to this. To grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ. To grasp. Paul says, I pray that you will understand. I pray that you will grasp. How much affection God has for you? Christmas is not about that babe in the ba- in the manger. Yeah, that's all cute and everything, and you see the babe, You see the, the shepherds walk in when they do the Christmas pageants, and you and you see Mary and Joseph sitting up here. And whether they're using a real baby or a baby doll sitting in a manger, that's all cute and well. But that's not what Christmas is about. You see, here's what Christmas is all about. And I pray that you grasp the understanding of the depth of the love of Christ, as Paul said. Christmas is about Jesus' arms stretched out wide on a Roman cross. And as they're stretched out wide, this is his message to you. I would rather die than live without you. Now, can you understand that? That's love. I would rather die than live without you. And that's what Christ did. And that's what Christmas is about. When we celebrate grace, we celebrate that Jesus chose to die rather than live without us. That's true love. Whether you look at it anyway, that is true love. That That is Jesus' heart. The other part of the good news, and we talk about this good news, two other aspects of it real quickly. Not only does God love us, but God is always with us. He is with us. You look at Psalms chapter 139. One of my favorite Psalms of David. David is talking about, search me, O God, and know me, know my uprisings, know everything about me. But David comes to this truth and this understanding in Psalms 139 verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? God is going to be with you. I know at Christmas time, there are a lot of people who become lonely. They feel like they're all alone. They feel like nobody cares about them. They feel like God's not with them. Nobody's with them. And then they get fearful because they're alone. How many of you ever get fear in your life? Fear Is false evidence appearing real is the best acronym I've ever seen. And the thing is, the Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear. And God is love and God is perfect. Therefore, God will cast out fear. You cannot have fear in the presence of God. Because the spirit of fear does not come from God. It comes from the enemy. And generally, fear comes from one of two places. Either it comes from a guilty conscience or it comes from a lie you have believed but God is always with you i mean we come to different truths in the bible you know david here said where can i go that you're that away from your spirit where can i flee from your presence now this is reiterated again hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because god has said never will i leave you never Will I forsake you? When you're in the presence of God, you can't truly have fear in your life if you understand His presence, right? He also says in Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, and they will not sweep over you, When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Because I will be with you. You want to know something interesting about fear? How many days of the year are there? 365, right? If you read the Bible and you search the Bible, you will find 365 times in Scripture this phrase, Do not fear. One for every day of the week, one for every day of the year. Do not fear. And it always comes because there is a reason behind it. And it's always because God is with you. God is with you. Do not fear. Think about when Joshua was going to lead the children of Israel into the land of Canaan, into the promised land. And the angel of the Lord came to him. And what, did he, what was the message he gave him? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. For I am with you. And that is how we should live our days. Do not be afraid. Each and every day of the year, do not be afraid because God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Even though it seems like your life may be falling apart, even though you may be passing through the waters, even though you, you may be walking through the fire, I will be with you as the promise from God. This morning in Connecticut, there are a lot of people that are hurting. God didn't leave them. He's with them. We don't understand always why things happen, and we don't. We never will. But we can know this. God is with. And God will take care of them. And even when it seems like your life's crumbling and falling apart, God is with you. He'll take care of you. I had a niece who died at the age of three. In those three short years that she was alive, she touched so many lives. That when we did the funeral in Alabama, we looked back and the processional of cars was over two miles long for a little three-year-old girl whose life had touched so many people. God had a purpose in her life. Even as short as it was, God had a purpose. God had a purpose even in the tragedy in Connecticut this week. We may not always see what that purpose is, but there is a purpose behind it. And God is going to touch people and reach out to people through this. You see, one thing we have to understand, sometimes just what just as what joseph said what sometimes is meant for evil god will use for good it's not that god caused what happened but god will use it and has a purpose through it there is a reason that god can use it but not only is god with us but the greatest i think the greatest truth is understanding that god is for us let's let's turn to romans chapter 8 and I want, to, I want to look at verse 26 through 31. It says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through the wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. And I will to stop it for just a minute. Have you ever been in so much, you know, I don't want to say distress, but so much need? for a moving of God in your life that you don't even know what to say. All you can do is just, in your prayers, it almost feels like silence. There's no words to, and the Spirit begins interceding for you. And there's a reason for that. He who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, Who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, God is going to work it to be good. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Not only is God with us, but God is for us. So many times we get in this mindset that, you know, nobody's for me. Everybody's against me. Even God's against me. No, the Bible says God is for you. Go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Verse 11 became one of my favorite verses a few years ago. And it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God is for us. God has a plan in our life. He he has a plan for us. A plan of hope and future. God is for us. And then I want to end with this passage in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love. And I want you to remember that. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. You see, we get in this mindset of what we think God is about. I was listening to a pastor this last week on the radio at one point, and he, he made this statement. He said, you know, for all these years I grew up in church, I was 18 years old and I never understood God. I thought God was about somebody who wanted to punish you, somebody who wanted to, somebody who wanted to you know, keep control of your life. I never understood what God was really about. What God is about is this God who is love. He is perfect love and he has a plan for your life. And it's not to mess with your life, but it's to prosper your life. He is completely for you. I want you to listen to the words that Jesus gave to his disciples as he was instituting the Lord's Supper at the last supper, as he broke the bread, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. God is for us. This cup represents the new covenant of my blood, which is given for you. What Christmas is about is God being for us because God loves us. He cares for us. That's what Christmas is about. It's a celebration of grace. A celebration of who we are through Jesus Christ. And a celebration of Who we can become as we follow him. That's what Christmas is. Don't get it all muddled up. And all mucked up with commercial things. Christmas is all about Jesus. And without Christ, there is no Christmas. Don't let the things that this world is trying to do to Christmas, distract you from what Christmas really is. As we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning, I want it to be a reminder of what Christmas is really about.